Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have a great size. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> All right, Casey Patterson making it in there. I like that, Jeremy. A couple times. Welcome into the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. What day is today? 29th? Sure. Sure. 29th of April, 2013. I was telling my son as he sat in the driver's seat of my car yesterday, hey, not yet, buddy. Four and a half years. That's not very long. Four and a half years to that boy's behind the wheel. Scary, isn't it? He'll be 11 here in a couple of uh, of weeks. Unbelievable. Did he lick the car by. and say it's mine when it's time? They lick it? Uh, lick yeah. the door handle? <laughs> this one's mine. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We have a great show planned for you today. You can hear DJ Jeremy Ruscha in the house along with myself, Kevin Barnett. We have the men's final four. That's the big story happening in volleyball. And we do have all four coaches confirmed for the program this morning. We will get an opportunity to hear from Chris McGowan of BYU. David Niffen of UC Irvine, Mark Pavlik of Penn State, and Shane Davis of Loyola of Chicago making their first trip to the Final Four. Is he going to be upset that I'd never heard of them before? The Ramblers? Well, I, I wonder if we can find out why they're the Ramblers, yet they have a wolf for a logo. A rather stark-looking, like, 8-bit wolf. Because what are you going to put as a Rambler? Do you know what I mean some by dude eight, walking down the street? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, some drunkard. Yeah, <laughs> like tattered pants and a <laughs> and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> but it, it's like an eight bit wolf. You know, but I mean by eight bit, like Nintendo. Generated. Yeah, I'm with you. We're not up to like you know whatever the PlayStation eight, is three hundred or something. Eight bits uh, is making its way back, like vinyl. It is, yeah, for memes and yep. whatnot. Yes, not quite sure what a meme is. <laughs> Sounded good. But we have uh, we have that plus lots of interesting topics as we've had a couple of weeks off. Uh, I did have an opportunity to listen to the show last or from two weeks ago over the last couple of weeks. And uh, Jeremy, I wonder what kind of response you got as beach was the main topic two weeks ago, and Jeremy's contention that uh, the beach that. is done. I wonder what kind of response you got. I got some not so happy comments about it, but also I. No, you know, nobody was specifically mad at me directly. They were, didn't like what I said, for sure. But um, I had some good conversation with some players about what I said. I think we would have gotten a little bit more response if uh, our show wasn't on the same day as the uh, the Boston attack. Yeah, that would have been good. Well, I think if our show didn't lead right into that. Yeah, kind of puts things into perspective when there's a bombing as opposed to beach volleyball. Yeah, and when you know somebody too, it's uh, it's it's not good. Actually, the woman who sold us our home here, her husband, they were all there. Yeah, uh, the family, and they have grown daughters and sons, and uh, they were there watching their daughter run the marathon. And actually, the husband grievously wounded, 
Ugh. through uh, both legs and severed an artery and nearly died. He's expected to be in the hospital three months back there. John mm. Odom, uh, getting a lot of attention here in Los Angeles, local Redondo Beach resident, was going to retire in the middle of May from a plumbing company that he owns and operates. So uh, it, it did hit very close to home here in Redondo Beach, uh, that bombing there in Boston. It just uh, uh, We were just kind of getting the news early on and and – yeah, just as the show is ending, I think. Yeah, Dustin kind of brought it in. We were reading some stuff and a little bit of reaction. And, and my reaction, again, is just that people are crazy. People are freaking crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's nothing you can do to save yourself from that kind of crazy, I guess. Uh, just be lucky to avoid it. But uh, unfortunately for the Odoms, they did not. They were in the wrong place, wrong time. But uh, I was surprised, actually, that we didn't have increased security measures at events that I went to over the last couple of weeks. It wasn't really talked about. Uh, but I think maybe because they grabbed uh, the guys so quickly. Maybe. Uh, but there there was not the similar type of reaction that I'd seen I bet there was other some, events. I bet there's some stuff behind the scenes that obviously we're not aware of. Well, and one would hope that's the kind of effective stuff, not the take out your three-ounce bottle of water. You can't have water go through, Correct. Going through the air. Correct. No lines. water going through the airport. That's not going to help you, but uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, I think, would. So, anyway, sad stuff there, and obviously things continue to uh, fall out from that as far as the victims go. Yeah. Like, pretty good resolution to the rest. The funny thing to me is the reporting. The alleged bomber, the alleged shooter in, in all these incidents, this guy's... The guy who's him. on videotape... Placing yeah. the bomb down, he's alleged. Well, he's, alleged. He's you know innocent I, until proven guilty. Kevin. I understand, but at times there are points at which, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he did, did it. it. <laughs> we have it. We have it. You know, there's no question except for your mother in Russia. You know, no one else really questions what's going on. Yeah. Why are you laying in the back of a boat, bleeding to death after you ran your brother over? Oh man. Yeah. Anyways, let's get off of this. It's no no fun to talk about. Um. Yeah, Ryan Doherty was not 100% pleased with us last week, or two weeks ago. Um, you can read his blog about it at Ryan, uh, is it forward slash Doherty? I'll put it up on the message board on the Facebook page. He wrote a nice little blog post. Spelled my name wrong. I told him I was mad about that. <laughs> he changed it. Um, he felt like we were crushing his dreams an hour before he came on the show, and then he came on the show, and then we continued to crush it. Um him and I had a nice hour-long text message conversation. I explained my points. He explained his. I totally understand it. Most of the players I talked to were felt like we were just being negative about the sport. Um, and I can see where they would say that. Um, and also, this is the first time I've really voiced a negative opinion about the sport of beach volleyball, so that may have taken some people by surprise, publicly at least. Yeah, I mean, we're being negative. I, I thought we were being realistic. There's not a lot to cheer for. Sure. Right now, and, yeah, I, yeah. and I understand we had a couple of players say, "Yeah, you, you should be should be encouraging the sport, and you should, you're going to be part of the problem if you're not encouraging the sport." And I, I think somebody said, "You know, if you, if you think it, it will be so." Well, yeah, if, if we had that much power to say that beach volleyball is dying and actually kill it, that would be nice. Yeah. If we had that much power and influence yeah. in the world, but that's, I would say that's, it's alive and well, and we'd be all be happy. Right. That's simply not the case. I mean, the reality is we talked about the stark reality of the situation. We weren't talking about uh, needing a check from playing professional beach volleyball. Although and we both collect checks from beach volleyball occurring, we don't play. Correct. Uh, but we're not cheering against it by any means. And I think the folks that responded perhaps didn't listen to the entire show or got kind of wrapped up in the emotion of 
the situation they're in. Which is understandable. Yeah, it's totally understandable. And for Ryan Doherty, we're not killing Ryan Doherty's dream. He's going to be on the FIVB. We're not, for the top eight players in the world on either side, there's, nobody's killing anything. They'll just find some other way to make money. The players whose dreams are getting killed are 10 through 40. Yeah. And, that, and sadly, that's the future of the sport. Correct. The future of the sport is not uh, Todd Rogers. The future of the sport is not Phil Dahlhauser. Could be in four years, but not eight. Short term. Yeah. Short term. These guys are still in the game. Kerry and Misty still in the game. Won't be four years from now, guaranteed. If the sport keeps comp- uh, progressing. Gotcha. Uh, that's the issue here. This is We're not talking about the short term issue of these guys will continue to play. I'm saying long term. This sport is is going to have to figure some stuff out now so that in eight years we're not yeah. completely irrelevant in the world. And I didn't say what I said just to get a reaction. No. And I explained to Ryan that you could uh, – he was upset. He felt like I was a little bit negative, like we need to be positive because if you know somebody like myself who has a voice in the sport is being negative about it, why – then if sponsors are listening and stuff like that, they'd be like, well, if he's negative about it, so we should be. But I explained to him you could – Look at me as like a jaded girlfriend. I've been here before. I've heard it all before, and I've been burned many times. <laughs> and now this time, you know, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me three or four times, still shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, George Bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, and if anybody wants the sport to succeed, I am one of those people, regardless whether I am getting paid from it or not. Right. Which I found amusing. I don't remember somebody on the Facebook page said before they listened to the whole show, and then they they commented twice. They're like, "Oh, is Jeremy being negative because now he's worried he won't be able to work as many events because they're all stacked on top of each other?" And then the next comment was like, "Oh, never mind. I, now I understand why he's uh, why he's uh, a little upset about it all." Yeah, I think if you listen to the whole show and you you get the the breadth of what we were talking about, we had just a lot of different issues from model to sponsors to. Uh, national team to Olympic qualification. There was a lot of information in there and a lot of jumping off points for opinions. And we're, I, I for one, am happy that we had people giving their opinions back. And for sure. Ryan Darty listening in and then giving a response. And we heard from April Ross giving a response. Yep. And, uh, I appreciate the debate. I appreciate people uh, caring enough to talk about it. That's kind of what this show is all about. We care enough to talk about it. And we on this show are going to endeavor to be realistic about situations and endeavor to bring you the people who are involved in the situations. We still want to have Donald Sun on. We still would like to have James Lights on. We've had Albert Hanneman on recently. Mm-hmm. We will have him again. Mm-hmm. We we want to hear from these people that are trying to do it. This is not a show that wants to shout our opinion and not offer those who disagree an opportunity to For voice sure. their opinion as well. I would love to hear their opinion. This is... This gets back to my broadcasting philosophy. If I get a fact wrong, tell me. Yep. I'll own it. Yep. If you don't agree with my opinion on something, no problem. We can talk about it. Yep. Show me where I am mistaken. Yeah. Show me where what I said didn't happen. Correct. Uh, that's kind of kind of where I'm at with the, with the whole thing. If I screw up a fact, that's on me. But uh, opinions are the point here on the Net Live. Opinions are the point. Whether it's via Facebook dot com slash the net live or twitter dot com slash the net live or email us the net live at gmail dot com. We have been reading those emails and I have a couple people reach out about different topics and we do read them. We don't always get a response in there, but we definitely do read that email account. And we appreciate any time you guys send information in, and even if you don't hear your name 
or we don't call you back or email you back, for sure you are influencing some of the conversation Correct. that goes on here. And some good news in beach volleyball. Phil and Rosie won in uh, China. Can't I don't know the name of the where they were. Starts with an F. I don't know either. I'd have to see the word again. I can't remember. They're in Shanghai now, but I can't remember where they were. Fujioka? No, so, that's in Japan. Uh, who knows? Uh, but Phil and Rosie won. One for one so far. They're going to be good. Everybody they have, could be scary. Everybody, uh, all accounts of hers that they played pretty well. Um, went three, I believe, in the finals. I'll have to confirm that. I'll have to look at the stats again. Um, and then other people, you know, didn't do so well. But I also think like you can't you can't predict a full season from one tournament. No, no, especially not the first one. Of course, I did see Lauren Fendrick posted a photo on Instagram. It was at like three twenty nine in the afternoon. I saw that three twenty nine in the afternoon. The main court lights were on because the smog was so thick it looked like nighttime. It was in the black fo- like night. it looked like nighttime. Right now in Southern California, we have a little bit of a marine layer. You wouldn't need stadium lights to play volleyball in this. The color of that is gray to white. Yeah, I can't see the sun, but there's plenty of light outside. The color <laughs> in China was black. It looked like storm clouds rolling across the Midwest, except it was not naturally made. No. So that that photo was pretty gnarly. Like, I want to know, like, if you're playing, like, do you feel the effects of that while you're playing? Like, in your chest and you're breathing, like, if you play in altitude except for if you're Jay Hasek, who doesn't believe in that. Like, do your lungs, like, how are they feeling after your 45-minute match? I remember playing grass tournaments in Northridge in the summer with smog alerts. And at the end of the day, when I went to breathe in, my chest would almost seize up because of all the junk that was in my my lungs. That's what I remember. It's got to feel something like that. And, like, not to be all graphic, but, like, if you cough or sneeze or blow your nose, like, the color that's going to come out is not going to be natural. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Can't be good for you. Now, why does it say defending champion Rogers spearheads Shanghai Grand Slam men's qualifiers? Because they're now in the qualifier in Shanghai. In yeah. The second tournament. But it has a picture of him and Phil and not he Phillip. and Ryan Doherty. Yeah, I think Todd and uh, they took a 17th. Well, look at the results here. Um, and they were, oh, man, F-U-Z-H-O-U. F U Z H O U. Fuzu. Sure. Fuzu. Yep. That's what it is now. Fuzu. The FIVB site, does that drive anyone else nuts? It drives me a little I crazy. I say it all the time. It's one of the worst sites ever. It drives me a little crazy because I'm looking. I just want to see who won this weekend. Phil and Rosie. Well, I, but I want to look at the rest of the results. <laughs> you know what else drives me crazy? Like, I was looking at sending people to buy tickets for the um, men's semifinals and finals this weekend. And yep. that is not easy to do either, by the way. If it's not easy to get tickets to an event, to find out where to get tickets, people aren't going to go. No, this is uh, this is a little nutty on here. I'm just trying to figure out who won, who finished second, who finished third. Australians finished second. Natalie Cook, I saw in there. Australians? Austrians, sorry. Austrians. Australians. Australians, Austrians. Starts with an A. Yeah, it was Australians, I believe. Who were the... Third-place Germans, right? Did it say what seed they were? I believe they were the one of the lower seeds, like the 32 seed that made it to the finals. Yeah, we have to figure this stuff out before, but we were working on men's Final <laughs> Four stuff. We shouldn't be giving false information. <laughs> uh, you can try and read it on the FIV. Austrians. Good luck with that. I'm right. Austrians. Thank you, B.J. Evans. 
Austrians, right. Kevin. Good uh, Austrians. Okay. Good luck reading it off of the FIVB site. What a flipping disaster! How about just show the, the results, results from your previous event that just happened two days ago? Unbelievable. No, I'm definitely confused. On Italy finished second. I thought the Austrians were in the finals. My bad. Well, what did I get for not getting much sleep? You click on competitions, world tour. Can I? Can I get a list of what happened? Thanks for tuning into the show, everybody. Uh, only thing I know is that Phil and Rosie won. Everybody else, sorry that I can't give you the correct information. <laughs> FIVB, clean it up. Just give me a spot to find the the results of who won. Without, like, I should be able to go to your site and find it immediately. All right, here we go. Semifinals, Phil and Rosie went three. I apologize. In the finals, they went two. 21-18, 24-22 against Italy. All right. Well, this is the kind of stuff we should know coming in. I totally agree. It's my fault. We right don't, because it's the FIVB, and this this is part of the issue. Is it's so far away, and there's so little coverage of it. It's hard to put together and be a fan. You get frustrated, and I can just go over to ESPN and read about a different topic, like Jason Collins coming out as the first gay male player in any of the four major sports in the United States. Active. Active. That's correct. Active gay player. What about this? This this seems, for me, as a volleyball player, this is no news. Volleyball is very popular amongst gay men. Well, it's news just because it's in the first major major sports active player. That's why it's news. It's no news in women's sports. No news in the highest level of women's sports. Lots of lesbian athletes. Correct. Openly gay. Different culture. True. Who was the San Francisco 49ers guy, like, before the Super Bowl? Was like, I can never... You know, that would be wrong if there's a gay guy in my locker room. Like, it's just, just ignorance at that point. Yeah, he's, if you honestly, he's worried if the guy looks at him that all of a sudden... It means he's going to turn gay. He's going to turn gay, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and reciprocate. Yep. First of all, if the guy's going to have feelings. Secondly, that, that he's going to reciprocate them because the guy is in there. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, and just because he's gay does not mean he wants you. Yeah. Don't overvalue yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> your, your thighs aren't nearly as nice as Jeremy's. No doubt. I'm looking forward to the day where people don't have to come out. Yeah. Like, I never had to have a press conference that said, hey, everybody, I'm straight. You like, can I never... do it right now. You can let everybody know. That's true. Well, I don't want, you know. <laughs> Dear everyone. I'm not, re- not ready for that yet. In the NetLive universe, Jeremy <laughs> announced today that he is straight. He is straight. Thank you. Hope it's on ESPN. Let's get Nicole's reaction. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one of those issues that is fading. Uh, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it on ESPN. I think it is a big deal for those particular sub-environments, the locker rooms. But it, it it will fade. Give it 15 years. It'll fade. Magic Johnson having AIDS. Yep. Faded. The issue of black and white faded in the world of sports. Ish. And fading fading in, in the world at large. Not gone, but fading. Yeah. Its influence is not increasing, it's decreasing. Well, it's like anything. In 20 years, we'll look back and be like, why did anybody ever have to announce that they were gay or straight? You know, you'll look back at, like, young kids today, when they're 30, they'll be like, well, that was stupid. I'm pretty sure Jason Jason Collins' preference of who he kisses does not affect how many points he can score. No. Not one bit. Or even how he can function in a locker room. He's functioned just fine in an NBA locker room for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Why would that be any different now? No doubt. So that's the issue on uh it's on other people, it's not on Jason Collins, but good for him that uh that he owned himself, I guess. That he, he had Well the and courage I, to do that. Well think about too, like if you're somebody who feels like you cannot 
let people know who your true self is. So you're having to kind of live a lie a little bit. Like I can't, I can't imagine having to live a lie, right? Just to try to satisfy other people. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Yeah, but fraught with a lot of consequences, as we'll we'll see here. Magic Johnson, of course, left with a similar situation when he realized he had AIDS. Did he come out and tell everyone or not? Yeah, not an easy situation. Well, I'll be interested to see. Like, will his players? All of his players should be coming out right now, saying like, "We're happy for him. He didn't need to do this." You know, we'll support him like we always have. That should well, be their statements if they have to make a statement. And good point by somebody on ESPN this morning saying, we'll see if he gets re-signed. He's currently a free agent. That will be the true test, whether he actually gets signed. Well, now does that put pressure on the Wizards? Because the Wizards are on a good team. So, like, do they not re-sign him because he's gay, or do they not re-sign him because we need to do something different? He should be – he's a good enough player to still be playing in the NBA. If he's yeah. not in the NBA next year, then we can talk about that. 35-year-old big man. Still has still has some time. Can't teach height. No. Tracy McGrady is playing in the playoffs right now. This guy can get a contract. That's why these guys at 6'10", 6'11", even with no knees left, can't run. Can't, I mean, you're still 6'11", and you can stand there and be in the way. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Follow the Jason Collins story closely. Story closer to the world of volleyball was the at-large selection for the Final Four. We, of course, do have ABCA College Volleyball Weekly with Jay and Mike coming up. But the selection committee met and announced yesterday that UC Irvine, despite their loss to Long Beach State in the semifinals of the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, will represent the at-large bid. They will be the second team for the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation along with BYU in the men's Final Four. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Okay. Vinny Lopes on OffTheBlock.com did a great job of running down the selection criteria. He also had an interview with one of the selection committee members about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And he did a great job of running down the eight categories that they were supposed to be using. Head-to-head, record against opponents, so on, eight categories. UC Irvine held the advantage in five of those, including the important head-to-head. UC Irvine's 3-1 and one against Long Beach State. Hmm. Uh, I, th- I think it's just yet another case for eight teams. Yeah. Eight teams in this tournament. I thought there was also a good point. That was Vinny or somebody else detailing the percentages, and we start talking about fairness again. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like the argument in the backwards, going male to female rather than female to male, mm-hmm. but the percentage participation for athletes, for teams at the Division One level. The participation level for the men is something around 10%. Yep. Make the playoffs. Yep. It's a postseason tournament. Yeah. The NCAA tournament. For women, it's like 30%. Wouldn't it bring in more money to the school if you had more teams? Or is it costing them more to ship all those teams? No, it costs a lot more. It's going to cost more to ship those teams to a tournament, to play an extra day in the venue. There's lots of costs associated with holding a larger tournament. But they're going to be on TV, ESPN, Ocho. That's what I was reading, that it's going to be on ESPN. It's going to be on ESPN.com, live stream, the semifinals. Only the last one is going to be on ESPNU. It doesn't even make regular ESPN. Tough time with NBA playoffs going on, NHL playoffs going on. Go Clippers. There you go. But drink. it has gone down. It used to be the semifinals were on and the finals were on. Well, that's been reduced. Interesting. I'm looking forward to talking to a loyalist Chicago coach. Shane Davis. Yep. A, to talk about his mascot. <laughs> a. And B. A, the mascot. Yeah, a, the B, mascot. B. Congratulations for his final yeah, four. Let's talk about your season. 
because I'm I want to hear you know how they got there. Obviously winning. Well, they beat a good Lewis team. They beat them in five. Yep. To get the bid. And I'm looking forward to uh, Poly Pavilion being a little bit showcased this weekend as well because they nice renovation looks good. I'll be there representing yeah. the Net Live. You will. Yeah. I will be in Las Vegas working. What are you working? Supercross. Drink. There you go. You're baiting me on that yeah, one. Yeah, I was. That was, that was too easy. Yeah, I'll be in Supercross finishing up, uh, pardon me, in uh, Las Vegas finishing up the season there uh, for Supercross. Unfortunately, I will miss the Final Four. I will be emceeing the Final Four banquet or the Final cool. Four ceremony on Wednesday up there at uh, Pollock Pavilion. That awesome. should be fun. Awesome. I'll get an opportunity to see all these coaches in person and congratulate Mark Pavlik on making his uh, 85th Final Four. Hold on. Benny's saying that three of the four mascots are in the cat family. The Nittany Lions, Cougars, and Ramblers. Ramblers a cat? I still, I still think it's uh, El Borracho. Just some random dude walking down the street is how I think about it. Yeah, with some tattered blue jeans. And an anteater. All right, so that, that's interesting. I'm glad he brought that up. Because, Didn't we do this before? Well, we did this with the women, right? We picked the field of yeah. the women's. Yeah. So we have, we have the Nittany Lion... Now, remember, the Nittany Lion lost out to the BYU Cougar before. Did it? Yeah, because the Nittany Lion was sort of an indoor cat. We had Jay on the show. He's actually here for that one. Yeah, but I kind of remember the argument, like, if you see the statues, like, the Nittany Lion looks pretty tough compared to the BYU Cougar. Plus, it's called a lion. No, the Nittany Lion did not look rough. I mean, the... the you sure, the statue looked... The BYU Cougar was, like, on top of some mountains snarling, looking a little mean. And then you went over the Nittany Lion. He looked very polished. Like a house cat. Very house cat, yeah. <laughs> very sophisticated. Inside, declawed, eating fancy feast kind of animal. Fancy feast. Sheba. Yeah, Sheba. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have to address that with, uh, with Mark Pavlik. So you have a lion, a cougar, a rambler, who is still up in the air, because now the message board is arguing about it, whether it's a dog or in the cat family. And an anteater. A rambler? Yeah. First of all, the anteater. I mean, you look at it, it looks like a wolf. No doubt. I've got it right here. Yeah. Anteater's done, by the way. Yeah, Any the, one of these animals has taken the anteater out. Yeah, I'm it's sorry. It's an anteater. I'm sorry. It's been a good season over there at uh, <laughs> UCI, but the but, anteater doesn't stand any chance. Yeah, just what, based on your mascot. What is that? It's a wolf. It's a wolf. I just, it does not look like a cat. No, that's a wolf on their website. Or it's a super mangy cat. Like your cat that you're making live outside now? Yeah, who's actually in a fight right now with a big black crow for uh, dry food supremacy. Who's winning? The cat was just sitting there guarding it. I don't think the crow stands much of a chance. Even though that's an indoor cat now turned outdoor cat. <laughs> All right, let's take a short break here. We're going to be right back with our first guest. We have Chris McGowan doing here on the Net Live. BYU head coach, alumni, as several of these head coaches are. Actually, three of them. Love it alumni of their universities who have now come back to bring their men's program to the biggest tournament in the land. Right back on the Net Live. Take it all, take it in, take up all the thoughts of what we've been, take a look, hesitate, take a picture you could never recreate a song.
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Big thanks to Volleyball Magazine as well as Hurley and Inspire Institute for their support of this show. An opportunity for us to talk volleyball every Monday, or nearly every Monday in most cases. Jeremy? I was uh, driving back from Florida last week. Oh, here we go. We're having a little issue. Driving back from Florida, home for a couple of days, and off to Vegas. It's a rough life I live. What's wrong with your iPad? Well, getting emails. Chris McGowan's trying to call us. And it's not coming in? And it's not coming in. That's not cool. We can keep talking mascots. Hold on. Let Banana me. slugs. Oh, gosh. Kevin is now off the show. Well, how about I mute you? Calling from the home court. Honestly, I cannot wait for the little coach to come on to uh, talk to him about his mascot that we've... Hopefully he won't get upset with us being like, you crushed my mascot for an hour before I came on the show. And then <laughs> I said, I'm hoping that the uh, Loyola coach won't get mad at us. He'll listen to the show afterwards and be like, you guys were crushing my mascot. For an hour. Yeah. yeah. I just want to know a bit more about it. Where's he calling from? Maybe they don't allow. Maybe he's not allowed to call us. After our show, yeah, he's not allowed to call us. <laughs> yes, seventeen hundred. New way to eliminate the echo. Don't let the call come in. <laughs> oh, funny because it's true. <sighs> We're here, just not perfect. And in case you haven't seen Garthoff's collage from our show two weeks ago, you should definitely check it out. Facebook.com forward slash the net live. There's a tombstone in there. There is a tombstone. <laughs> I look very serious in that photo. That was from the uh, barbecue, that photo of me. Ah, you were working? Yep. I was kind of standing there with a serious look on my face. I don't know what I was doing. Maybe it was when I was judging the... Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, boy. This is going to be entertaining. No, it's not. We can talk about Tim Tebow finally getting cut instead. Has there been a comparable in the world of volleyball? I don't think there has. Where you simply have someone on for jersey sales because then you'd have to have jersey sales for volleyball. I'm not convinced this is going to work, but let's try it. Ready? Yep. 801. The way you're just giving his number out uh, (laughs) over the air. (laughs) Nine four nine. Yep. Here's eight oh one. There we go. It's great radio, everybody. Thanks. Live, Chris McGowan. 
Chris, are you there? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, there we go. Sorry about that technical difficulty there. Hey, congratulations on a great season, first of all. It's been a, a very uh, tough, tough season. Have you ever seen this kind of parity in the game, either as a player or as a coach? You know, it's been interesting. There, uh, there have been seasons where it's been kind of neck and neck, but, uh, you know, from top to bottom, the league is has been really close and you know teams that are were even on the outside of the conference playoffs had big wins during the year and uh it seemed to me like every match was one where uh it was kind of a toss up yeah and, and i wonder if that's because the talent is getting more spread out or is there more talent available in the game i think we've asked this question of quite a few coaches is the game progressing you know when we go out and you know, start watching volleyball around the country and uh, talk to players and talk to boys that are in high school, there's been this overwhelmingly positive response about volleyball. And kids, I think, are gravitating to the sport. And so I think every year, you know, if you talk to uh, if you talk to organizations, if you talk to USA Volleyball, you'll find that participation is increasing. And uh, ultimately, obviously, that's putting more and more players into the system, and then uh, ultimately more and more good players are coming out of the system. Well, this is just your second year as head coach there at BYU, but you, you've come as a clinician for the last 14 years. You've been a part of the game, and, and you brought along some very experienced talent with you. You have Mike Wilton, who put, people may remember from Hawaii and his success there, and, of course, your father on staff there. How important has it been for you to have that kind of experience as you've begun your uh, your job there at BYU? Well, it's been absolutely vital, and you know, it just seemed to me to, that I could go a couple of different ways. You know, try and chart my own course, be my own man, that sort of thing, or uh, try and have some humility about it and tap into what are some marvelous resources here. Even our uh, our assistant coach Rob Nielsen has been um, phenomenally helpful. His experience as an assistant and, and as a player has been wonderful. But it just seemed to me like to have the opportunity to have my dad and Mike and Rob on staff, uh, you know, why wouldn't you try and tap into that experience, that wisdom and, uh, and have that not only available to me as uh, those guys as assistants, but available to our players every day on the floor. And uh, like I said, they've been phenomenally helpful to me. Um, They've been this really nice kind of, my dad, especially uh, he holds me so accountable for everything that goes on in our program and in practice and everything. And he's the first to tell me, hey, you're messing this up. This isn't right. And this practice was lousy. And the way you structured this drill was no good. And, uh, you know, having him around uh, really kind of makes things, um, I don't know, keeps me honest and creates this accountability for virtually everything we do. So is it at all difficult to manage that situation where he, he tells you you had a bad practice and maybe you feel differently? You have to kick your dad back a couple of times? You know, we've had some uh, some moments where there's been some some firm discussion about things. You know, hey, I don't like this, and I'll tell him, well, you know, I do, and uh, and we'll we'll have to go around. Ultimately, I have to kind of remember. Um, you know, there was a you remember the movie Bull Durham, where uh, yeah. Tim Robbins is is the pitcher, and Kevin Costner is this kind of wizened old catcher, and uh, and 
you know, he tells him somewhere along the way, uh, don't think, meet. You know, he just wants him to throw strikes. He just wants him to kind of do it his way. And there are times when uh, when I have to kind of talk myself out of just thinking that I know what's best. And, uh, you know, because it just seems like, you know, hey, dad's been around a lot of volleyball and he's seen a lot of volleyball players and he's been through, you know, as many giant moments as you can imagine. He's been to seven, some Olympics. He's been, you know, coaching uh, all over everywhere for a long time. And uh, and sometimes I just have to tell myself, don't think me, just you know, kind of do it his way. But uh you know we've 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 had our we've had our differences at times but i think ultimately we both are coming from a place where we understand i want the best for our boys i want the best for our program i want to do it the right way and he wants the same he absolutely wants the same and he wants the best for me too i think and uh and so i think with that understanding we both can work from a foundation of, you know, hey, we're not trying to one-up each other here or, or prove anything. What we're trying to do is just be great coaches for this volleyball team. Tell me a little bit about your volleyball team. Lots of people are familiar with Taylor Sander, the junior. Uh, lots of attention paid to him. He's been an excellent player at the collegiate level for a few years. But I'm also hearing a lot of chatter about Ben Patch, your young freshman opposite, who uh, who's getting a lot of run around the league as a potential future star. Yeah, he's uh he's a phenomenally phenomenally physically gifted kid. He's tall, he's long, he jumps, his arm is pretty whippy and it's getting better. And uh he, so he's got a ton of range. Um the thing with Ben is he's just he's been playing, you know, organized, well coached volleyball for just sh- such a short amount of time. You know, he he didn't play high school volleyball, he grew up here in Utah just across the street from BYU. Uh, is where he went to high school, and they didn't have a high school team, and his club experience was really limited. He'd go kind of after he'd uh, finish up his schooling for a summer, and uh, he played with a club in Las Vegas for like, you know, they'd play for practice for a month and then head off to JOs, and he did that again with a club out of Northern California uh, his senior year, and, you know, just kind of was tagging around. I think his physicality landed him on uh, a couple of our uh, USA Youth and then junior teams, and uh, or he just started to develop, but um, you know he's behind the curve a lot with respect to just volleyball savvy and experience and some of the subtleties of the game and some of the nuances that go with uh, you know being a player that's played a lot of high school or club volleyball. And so for him to do what he's done this season is all the more remarkable. And it's just it's a tribute to how hard he's worked, how um, closely he's listened to the coaching uh, that he's received, and uh, and then, of course, it's just some of the physical gifts that he has. Coming up here, you're going to play Penn State. They are the number four seed. You guys are the number one seed. What will you guys have to do well to succeed in that match and advance to the final? You know, uh, we haven't had a chance to watch too much film against Penn State. Uh, you know, they're always a nice program, and, uh, and Pav does a wonderful job with his teams. Uh, I think more than anything, and it's what we've talked to our guys about throughout this, the, the – uh, MPSF playoffs and throughout the season that we don't have to play great in these big moments. It's not like we have to elevate our game to some unreal level where we have to be mistake free and we have to be perfect. We just have to be who we are. We have to be the team that uh, that just plays night in and night out kind of the same level of volleyball. And so we can relax and just do that. And uh, that's our intent. So I don't think we have to be anybody special to uh, be successful in the in the finals. I think we just have to be kind of who we are. And uh, obviously we can't play poorly against anyone. 
but uh, just our team is is very solid. I think uh, all across the net, we're good in the middle of the court. We're good at the pins. Uh, we've got solid passing. We've got good setting, and uh, just kind of our all-around game and, and basic fundamentals will carry us through. Chris, having been in the gym with your father, I heard a lot of your dad in there, and I thought it was good stuff when he had it in the USA gym. And uh, it's good to good to hear from you, and good to have you in charge of the number one team in the nation. Congratulations, and good luck this weekend. Thanks so much. It's great talking with you guys. Cool. Chris McGowan, thanks very much for checking in from BYU. Head coach in just his second season heading off to the Final Four as the number one seed in a hard-fought MPSF uh, all season. Let's get now to our next guest, Jeremy, right away. I'll leave you... Uh... I had you muted last time when you were introducing. Oh, you did? Yeah, I was totally my accident. I had oh. unmuted right before you said his name. So it was well, like, I, I felt it good for great about radio. it. Yeah, it was a great, great intro, Kevin. I felt good great about intro. it. All right, well. Maybe I'll give him music this time, too, because I was in a full panic. Sounded good to me. It's all good. <laughs> You're fine. All right, this next man is in his first season and led his team to a 23-7 and record. They are the defending national champions. He's also an alumni, I believe a former setter over there for the UC Irvine Ant Eaters. They brought him back. From the wasteland of Illinois. Don't let Shane Davis hear that. <laughs> they brought him back from the women's game to the men's to lead his alma mater, the UC Irvine Anteaters. We've had him here on the show before. Please welcome in the man who had his team at number one off and on throughout the year, David Niffin. Dave, thanks for hanging on for a couple minutes there. Absolutely. It was, it was fun to hear McGowan talk. That was great. Hey, congratulations on uh, just continuing the role down there at UC Irvine. When you took over this year, did you really feel like you could get to the Final Four? I wouldn't have taken the job if I didn't think we could make it to the Final Four. I mean, that's uh, leaving the, the wastelands of Illinois, as you called it, was actually a very hard place for me to leave. You know, that uh, University of Illinois and the, and the program that, that Hambly and, and the entire Illini family out there has built is pretty special. So for me to come back, uh, you know, Obviously, being an alum, this is a special place for me and, and Orange County and Newport and, you know, all the, the pieces of the puzzle being kind of the boys' volleyball mecca. You know, all those pieces played in. But uh, as a competitor, you know, I want to win too. And uh, I, I wouldn't have taken the job if I didn't think we had a shot at the title. Now, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Chris about the parity in the league. Have you ever seen this kind of parity? Because it seemed like from the early part of the season – team would be ranked number one and immediately get knocked off by, say, the fifth-place team. It seemed like there was a lot of talent out there, and this was one of the more difficult seasons to advance. Yeah, I, I remember even when I played, I feel like the conversation was, wow, this is a down year in the MPSF. And then I go, yeah, yeah, it is. And then the next year we, we'd get into the next season, and somebody's like, gosh, this is really a down year in the MPSF. It's really spread out. you know. And then the next year I hear the same thing. And, so my perspective is a little skewed because I feel like I hear that every year that it's, there's a lot of parity in the league and there's no runaway team. And yet, for me, I would say the runaway team before we ever started was BYU. Um, so, you know, I don't know that I would agree with all the, the comments out there. When I recruit, you know, and I'm, I'm looking around and granted have been out of it for a year, um, I, I kind of see the same thing. I think there's a lot of people playing volleyball and there's not necessarily a lot of volleyball players. You know, there's a lot of uh, bodies in the gyms. I think there's growth in our sport in terms of the number of people playing. But when you start looking at the athletes like Taylor Sander, Ben Patch, guys coming from outside the U.S. like Kevin Tilly, there just there aren't a lot of those kind of uh, of players out there. So I know that's kind of a gray answer to your question, but that's that's probably the best I can do for you. 
You mentioned Kevin Tilly, of course, the French import that's been a big part of your success. What is his physical condition? We understand he was pulled from the match against Long Beach. Yeah, well, here's the deal. It's my first year as a head coach, and I want to win bad. But, you know, I also don't uh, I don't fully understand sometimes the difference between pain and injury. And, you know, I didn't want to take a chance that we were going to jeopardize a longer career for a guy like Kevin Tilly, who's got a, a bright future ahead of him in volleyball. You know, Kevin is a student athlete, and he'll graduate from here with a degree, but then he's going to go be a professional. You know, and he's – He's going to be on that French team, and, you know, his dad's coaching it now, and he's he's got a lot of volleyball to play. And when I saw him grimace, you know, I just thought, shoot, I don't want to do more damage to this thing. And so I pulled him out, and I kept him out until I had confirmation from, the, you know, the, the BYU orthopedic guy who was phenomenal that he was willing to look at it. Uh, their head trainer, Blaine, was, was awesome. He came and looked at it, and everybody, you know, confirmed the same thing, which is what we've known all season until he's just a little soft, and it's just pain. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I hope he's listening. Yeah. Okay. So oh, he knows. It's, it's, we've had a couple guys on the team talking. There's a difference between pain and injury, Kevin. And uh, you're gonna have to figure that out if you're gonna go play international volleyball. So he's fine. He's 100 percent ready to go. All right. So Kevin Tilly, then, if he's 100 percent, we know he's kind of a given. Lots of times we look at teams and you know that a certain guy is gonna get his kills. And you wonder about maybe a second or third guy, and that ends up being the critical guy. Is there a player on your team that you feel really has to play well for you guys to have success over the next two matches? I, I think I think Killy's probably that guy. You know, I mean, he at the end of the day, you know, against Long Beach, he had a swing for the match, and you know, he he knows as well as anyone that he made a choice and he hit low seam, which, which doesn't work against a lot of teams in this conference. And, you know, the match isn't won or lost in a swing. And yet when you're a player of that caliber, um, there's some responsibility that needs to be assumed. And, you know, so he, he's a critical guy for us. We want him to play well. And then past that, we want to be able to distribute the ball. You know, we've rotated around setters a little bit this year. And right now Chris has kind of been the guy going into the semifinal match. You know, we're still up in the air there as well. Um, we got to figure out who's going to distribute the ball and just put something hittable up there for us. And then if we do that, I I think guys will produce. I don't know that there's a key guy past that because we've got, obviously, a, a deep bench, and you've seen it throughout the year. We've had different guys step in at different times, and that can be a function of, you know, somebody not playing to the peak of their ability, or that can be a function of matchups, too, and, and what team we need to put on the court to defeat a certain opponent. So those are, I think, the keys for us, really – the person that needs to have the best game and make sure this team doesn't get held back is going to be me so that we can make those those choices and let the guys go do what they can do. How much do you know about Loyola? Uh, Meva champions. Um, just defeated Lewis in a five-setter. That's about the extent of it. So we're going in a little blind against Loyola. You know, we'll do the the mandatory video exchange. We'll get two matches on them at some point today, and uh, and we'll go from there. But, you know, by reputation, we know that they're going to compete, and we know that Shane's done a nice job with the team and the rest of his staff. So that's uh, that's what we're going in with so far. You guys were on a six-match win streak going into that match against Long Beach State. That was a 3-2 loss uh, at Provo, Utah. Do you think being in the at-large bid or going through that process of losing and then being unsure of your participation in the Final Four and then getting into the Final Four via that at-large process, what effect do you think that will have on your team mentally? Well, I think we're operating on a second chance right now. You know, that's the only guarantee to get into a Final Four ever, no matter how clear the criteria is, is, you know, winning 
your conference championship. And even in 2009, I remember, you know, we got swept in the semifinals against a red-hot USC, and then we sat there in our own gym watching Pepperdine and USC go into extra innings in the fifth and thinking that, you know, those two teams could very easily be playing the Final Four, and despite our season of hard work, we could be out. And when we got in, I, the feeling we had was, okay, we've got a second chance of life. Let's go leave our souls on the court because, you know, how many people get this opportunity? And so we're, you know, we're grateful for the body of work and, and you know, obviously the opportunity. But I'd say we're we're operating on a second chance. All right, it's been done before from the at-large position. Maybe you guys can do it again. David Niffin, good luck as the defending national champions and your first season at head of UC Irvine. We'll see you this week. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for spending some time with us, David Niffin, UC Irvine head coach. And we're going back to back to back to back to back here. 814, yeah, I believe that's uh, – let me uh, let me look here. That's our next guy. That's, that's Mark Pavlik. Nice. He's making his 106th appearance in the Final Four, a man that everyone knows well because he has sculpted the Penn State Nittany Lions, the friendly indoor cats, into a dominating force in the world of EVA men's volleyball. They have a national championship. They have Jay Hosick in the assistant coach spot. We hear from him each week on this program. He's been an effective co-host. And sometimes we hear Pavlik saying things in the background. Well, now let's talk to the man himself. Please welcome to NetLive once again, Mark Pavlik, head coach at Penn State University. Mark. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on once again. And congratulations again on, on getting through. Somebody declared you actually uh, Ivy League champions after you defeated Harvard. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, you know, those two programs, Harvard and Princeton, are going to be heard from in the near future. They're, yeah, uh, about, they're doing the right things. Yeah, how about the growth in the EVA? It, it seems increasingly a, a more difficult conference for you guys to win. Okay, well, first of all, Barney, it's EIVA. We've, I'm sorry. We've gone away from that for <laughs> years. I think I think after playing playing you, we decided, well, we might as well just go with four letters instead of but you're right. It, you know, I heard a little bit about what Nick was saying, and there are enough guys playing right now that that take it seriously enough that hey, you get a chance to go to Harvard, Princeton, uh, and, and play volleyball, get their degree. George Mason's great degree. St. Francis, their team, their school. You know, and and, and you get guys from. New York and Virginia and the Carolinas and Florida and, and Illinois and Ohio and Wisconsin, you, you can't, they can't all go to 12 schools. And, and I think that that's finally what's happening here. Plus, on top of that, I think you've got some great young coaches that, 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 A, are competitive, are saying, how do I make my team the best it can be? And they're in it for the long haul. And I can't speak enough about the job that Brian Bays did with Harvard this year. Sam Schweitzky continues to do with Princeton. You know, and you, you look at Ryan McNeil at NJIT, their best player was injured this year. And you, you give them, uh, him and their lineup, and, and they might be in the EIVA Final Four. So I'm like, I've told people, it, it's been the most, competitive EIVA in my career here. And uh, if you have told us four weeks ago, uh, you go 3-0, 3-0 in the semis and finals, and I would wonder which Penn State team you're talking about because I, I didn't think we were ready to do that about four weeks ago. Okay, Mark, you have a couple of 
West Coast opponents. You have a, a 0-3 loss to UCI, but then early in the season you have a 3-2 loss to UCLA and a 3-2 win over Hawaii. What did you learn about those teams in playing the teams from out east, or pardon me, from out, out west? Well, I think that our first match at the Outrigger was UCLA, and with us having such a, a young team, we went in to that match thing. We were going to change lineups every game. We were going to give some people chances to play, uh, see if they could play big boy volleyball against uh, a Sparrow coach team, and and see what we could do. So in one of my finest coaching moves, we, we'd win, I'd change lineup. We'd lose, I'd change the lineup. We'd win, I'd change the lineup. So we never really got into any type of rhythm, but that was, like you said, it, it, it was more of let's do some fact-finding out there. And uh, against them and against Hawaii, I think we found, uh, we found out what we needed to do to be successful over time against that level. Were we ready to be (laughs) – we weren't able to sustain things over probably a good three-quarters of the year at at that high level, and it's it's finally started to pick up. I thought when we went out to UCI, it was a 3-0 loss, but I think games one and two, we were were 20-20 in both games. So – yeah, we're, we're doing some things right now that I think we're growing up a bit. And, uh, our talent certainly is our underclassmen. Yeah, you've, got, you've been around this game a long, long time there at Penn State, and you've seen a lot of different teams. How would you describe your team's style of play? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think I think right now we're still trying to determine that. Um, I think anytime you have a first-year setter, uh, you, you worry more about making sure they're on board with everything. And then I think once you have them on board, then your team personality and your team style of play really starts to, uh, to fall into place. And, you know, right now, I just think, I don't think we're much different than a bunch of the teams that we play. I, I think you try to go fast with the pins. Uh, you try to attack gaps with your middles. Uh, you try to run your, your bick either out of the B, the bick, or the C, and, and try to hit gaps from the back row. Uh, we try to serve tough, and hopefully we're able to handle other tough-serving teams. Where do you think against BYU you might have an advantage in the matchup? Uh I mean, you don't want to give away the farm here. That's that's a great question because I'm not sure we do. You know, I think on paper you can sit down and say, okay, let's take a look at personnel. Let's take a look at where, you know, on paper everybody is supposed to be at. It's very easy to to say uh, make sure you you get on the right plane because uh, that might be the the toughest thing you're going to do because you can't handle anything else. But, uh, you know, if you want an advantage, it might be that we've been there before. You know, the, the NCAA championship is, is unlike any other regular season match. You have many things out of control, out of your control. You don't, you're not making decisions on, hey, when do you want to practice? Everything's right there. And uh, there's a structure to it that is absent for all the other matches. Most of our guys have been through it. 
Yeah, how do your travel plans lay out for the Final Four, which will be held here at Pauley Pavilion? It's a long trip for you guys to make, and it's going to come up here pretty quick. Yeah, we're out of here. Uh, I think we're busting down to BWI. We're leaving here about 8.45 tomorrow morning and flying from BWI to uh, to LAX, and I think we're going to get in somewhere around 6 p.m., and hopefully our bus will be there waiting for us, and we're, we'll head down to the hotel and hopefully get there somewhere around, you know, 8 or so and uh, try to get the guys into some type of routine. Yeah, how much do you focus on prep at that point, and how much do you worry about getting the guys kind of on the time schedule and making sure they're physically and mentally where they need to be? How do you how do you balance those two needs, your need as a coach to put in certain things and their need as players to adjust to the situation? Well, I, I think that was one of the reasons why we came out here and played Irvine and Concordia. It gave us kind of a dry run for this is what you can expect. So, you know, that being three weeks three weeks ago and fresh in our guy's mind, I think that I can rely on them to understand what each and every one of them needs to be at their best come Thursday. Uh, and that kind of leaves the coaching staff with the idea of, okay, uh, what do we want to do? How do we want to uh, uh, attack what BYU is going to throw at us? And, uh, and go from there. So I think we try to solve that problem by making that trip out in uh, in early April. All right, Coach. You had you said you were looking for an advantage. I see a Naperville North kid on here. I see a Wheaton Warrenville yeah. South kid on there, a Downers Grove North kid. Well, you're recruiting from the right places. Yeah, I think so. And I think those three you're looking at, we've redshirted them this year, but I think you're going to hear some uh, some real good things. Our, our, we have a setter, uh, Zach Perrick, who uh, – Tough kid. He's he's been coming in as our serving spec uh, through the year. He's just done a fantastic job. So, yeah, the Chicago land uh, Chicago land area has been great for us, and you can't forget the big man either, Colin McMillan from from the area. So, C Mac, C Mac, your other assistant coach. Very good. Coach Mark Pavlik, thanks very much. Good luck in another Final Four, and perhaps Penn State Nittany Lions uh, could win the mascot challenge in addition to the actual Final Four. There, there we go. Th- thanks, thanks for the support there, Barney. And listen, you guys take care of yourselves. Thanks for everything you guys do for men's volleyball, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Mark. We'll see you on Wednesday. I'll be there at the dinner. All right, All right. Mark Pavlik, head coach of Penn State. And that's three of four. We're on our way through here, and uh, – We've been patiently, we've had patiently waiting uh, an individual who took his team to a 22-9 and record this year and just completed a five-set victory over Illinois rival Lewis to punch their first-ever ticket to the Final Four. He's in his 10th season, with a, coming in with a record of 186-75. and Another one of these alumni setters. He was the 2003 Loyola Athlete of the Year. Welcome in to the NetLive for the first time. Shane Davis from Loyola of Chicago, the Ramblers. Uh, Shane, thanks for joining us here on the Net Live. And w- there's been a whole bunch of discussion about what on earth a rambler is, why it looks like a wolf. Some people claim it's a cat, and others think it's maybe just a drunk guy who's riding the train. Yeah, it could be any of those at some time. But uh, guys, thanks a lot for having me. This is great. Um, a rambler. You know, we used to have a football team back in the 30s, and we didn't have any sort of home field, so they had to go to the opponent's field, and so they're kind of like, oh, they're rambling around. Um, so our mascot was originally a, a hobo, um, so that wasn't very That's scary to opponents. So they moved it into a wolf, kind of a cartoon wolf, and now we're a little bit more scarier, I guess. We're trying. 
has anyone thought maybe it's a hobo that got bitten by uh, a wolf and turned into uh, that's stretch? Yeah, yeah, yeah no supernatural <laughs> the creature. First time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that happened. Well, hey, let's talk about your team, Shane. You guys did uh, take a victory over Lewis, who a lot of people talk a lot about. We did hear about your team as well, but there was a lot of chatter about Lewis. You guys are very close to one another. Lewis just down there in Joliet. You guys are up near Chicago, about 45 minutes apart. Tell us about that five-set victory and what must have been an emotional explosion at the end for your team. Yeah, it was uh, you know unbelievable experience. Uh, we you know going into that match, we felt we felt very confident. We felt good going into it uh, as we beat them on their home floor in March in four sets. Uh, we didn't know it was didn't think it was going to be um, as easy as that going into the finals. And, uh, you know, it was back and forth that first set. I mean, we killed 18 balls set one and still lost, you know, 25-23. And it was just kind of some um, plays not going our way. And then we battled back and won a, for, uh, a second set and uh, kind of got a little bit of a momentum there. But, yeah, it was unbelievable um you know, experience for the fans and the players, and you know, after that fifth set, it was a mad rush for, with all of our support and fans that were down there. Now, Joseph Smaltzer, number sixteen, he's going to be the guy to watch. He collected twenty kills. This is a kid out of Palos Heights, Illinois, six foot eight, opposite. Tell us about the development of his game and your team. He's a junior this year. Correct, uh, Richard Junior. Uh, actually, recruited him as a setter. Um, came in, redshirted him, did a lot of setting. Setters training with him, and then uh, one of our uh, backup opposites went down his retro year, so we had him swinging at the opposite and working there, and he was tearing us up uh, as a redshirt. And was like, hey, this kid might be pretty good on the, at the opposite. So we kind of worked with him a little bit. Then his freshman year, uh, we moved him in kind of as a passing opposite and ended up starting for us in that role and just started becoming a very good all-around volleyball player, which you don't see a, a lot of that, you know, especially how the middles are opposites. So... He was a passing opposite, and we're like, okay, well, we'll look at him in the setter, you know, the following year, and he just kind of ran with that role, and uh, he's really fallen into it and doing a great job for us. Yeah, how about the support for volleyball there in Illinois? It was just starting back when I was in high school, 91, 92, graduated in 92. It was just kind of beginning to come around, but there's been a lot of great players come out of Illinois, Tom Hoff, Sean Rooney, uh, a lot of talent there in the state. Is the sport continuing to grow inside of Illinois in the development of the junior stage? Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, you know, outside of California, I think the number one uh, state in terms of just volleyball at the club level, high school level, um, but a, a lot more clubs um, popping up uh, compared to when, when you played and you and I played. So it's it's just a huge development with Lewis, you know, making some noise recently, us making some noise, the, the fan support there, a lot of people talking about it, and a lot more people just getting involved in the sport. It's great to see. Now, you brought your team back from a pretty tough, it looks like, set here. 25-10, was that you guys? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, great. that was us. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, that third set kind of got away from us a little bit midpoint, so I just threw in a bunch of the second team guys, got our starters out of there, allowed them to kind of refocus a little bit, and Lewis kept their starters in and setting their guys and you know maybe tiring them out a little bit, who knows, and got my guys ready to go for set four and told them, hey, we only need to win three sets here, and they were able to battle back and take that set four, and then the momentum just took over from there. All right, how about your opponent here, UC Irvine? They are the at-large. They were given the number two seed. You guys are the number three. What do you know about the Anteaters, the defending national champions? <laughs> very good, very fast, very talented. Um, you know, a lot of uh, returning experience. They're used to this stage. Um, you know, new coach, but, you know, 
very uh, very familiar with what uh, that team does being uh, on staff a couple of years ago. But yeah, we're uh, we're excited to play them. Uh, we know it's going to be a tough battle, a good match, and uh, yeah, excited to see how our guys um, compete with those guys. Now, you guys were out here for the Santa Barbara tournament this year. Yeah. You faced Long Beach State, Cal Bath, and also uh, UC Santa Barbara. What did you take away from that particular experience, either travel-wise but also on the court? Um, well, that was an interesting trip for us. We uh, went out there. I wanted to see where we fit in. And on our way out, about a day before we left, one of our guys got really sick where he wasn't allowed to fly. So we had to leave him at home. We get out there. All of my guys started dropping like flies with the sickness. Um, so we had 12 out of 15 guys that actually got sick out onto that trip. We had our third libero playing outside, you know, it was just kind of a big mixture. All the teams were, you know, nervous to shake hands with us. So in terms of uh, experience, we, you know, how did we, we dealt with, how do we deal with adversity? You know, that was kind of the first thing of the season and Hey, times are tough. It's, we're a struggle here, but let's figure out a way to get through this. And I think that was the biggest uh, piece from that, that trip, um, beyond the volleyball. All right, you guys are three and two all time against Irvine, but it looks like the last meeting was in 2009. That's uh, quite a while ago. It seems like this would be kind of a, a blind trip for you guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a little bit of, of video on them uh, from when they played uh, previous matches in the year. Uh, we've seen a little bit on um, like BYU TV, but you know, they're kind of a different team from earlier on the season. They were battling a few injuries and kind of started off a little bit slow, but uh, they're they're heating up and they're a great team. And we're gonna see what we can do. Do you think there's a comparable team that you've faced? Uh, any pieces of some of the teams you've played throughout the year? Lewis, IPFW, Ball State, who was hot early on? Yeah, I think uh, they're comparable to Lewis in the sense they run a fast offense. They love the BIC. Um, you know, I think their ball control is, little, is better than Lewis. And But in terms of uh, the serving pressure that they'll put on us is comparable to Lewis as, as well as their quick BIC attack. So I think in terms of that, I, I just think uh, Irvine's going to be in system a lot more than what uh, Lewis was. All right, well, we definitely have you in the mascot challenge. No matter whether you're a hobo <laughs> or an actual uh, wolf, you're definitely going to beat up on an anteater. I don't see a lot of defense for the anteater. Appreciate that. That's good. All right. Shane Davis, head coach, congratulations on your first trip to the Final Four and getting the Loyola Ramblers there. Really a, a neat story, and wish you the best of luck. We'll see you Thank on you. Wednesday and then in action this weekend. All right, thanks, guys. All right, Shane Davis checking in here on the Net Live, head coach there for the Ramblers in his 10th season now. It's a good record, 186 and 75 coming in. It's pretty good. So doing the math on that, that's 200-plus uh, wins now for Shane Davis against uh, less than 100 losses. Listening to him talk, it sounds like he knows more about the other teams in the Final Four than the other teams know about him. Is that an advantage for him? Well, perhaps. I think he's a little further along in the process reading the uh, the MEVA tournament here. Uh, let's see, that was posted on April 28th. Uh, when did that match happen? I'm looking for when that match happened here. Against Lewis, that was 427. What's the day, 29th? Two days ago? I guess it's the same. Yeah, he seems to, uh, seems to be on top of it. I'm excited. I think it's going to be a good Final Four. I think it's going to be very good. When do we give our predictions at the end? Sure, we can pick them at the end here. Give our mascot predictions and then our uh, actual <laughs> gameplay predictions. Yeah, let's talk about these mascots. Ant Eaters, uh, UCI, you're going to have a tough time in this one. So it's Ant Eaters versus Ramblers, which we now know. We're going to give it the wolf because that's what their mascot is on the website. Yeah, but they started out as a hobo. That apparently got bitten by a wolf in your story and I'm now turned to go, into like a wolf. I'm tempted to go wolf man here. <laughs> 
So uh, let's check the lunar calendar. Will there be a full, a full moon? moon? We just had one, weekend. I think, like last week. So I say yeah. No. Jeez, I don't know, Ramblers. But what's an ant eater really going to do to you? I mean, scratch you with its little claws that yeah. it can barely get past its nose. I think even as a, if you're a hobo, you've lived a rough life. You can take an ant eater. You might be covered in bugs. The anteater might get a good meal before you take it out. Uh, again, I think you're stretching. Okay, so definitely we're putting uh, we're putting the Ramblers through in our mascot challenge here. So the Ramblers, now here comes this same question. Boy, we had this problem with the women as well. And I think, I feel like it was the other way around. I feel like the Nittany Lion, let, let me look online real quick. No, because Jay was here. Yeah, and I think he was talking about his line was a little bit more tough-looking than the cougar. Look at the pictures. The cougar uh, that's where I'm is, going right is, now. is on top of snow-covered mountains. It is snarling. And I've it been is, to both campuses, by the way. It's strong. You know, it has a lot of fur. It can stay warm. It's not that cold here. I guess it doesn't matter. The Nittany Lion looks like he's he's been groomed. He doesn't have any fleas, for sure. No fleas on the Nittany Lion. Oh, uh, yeah. Some of these... Yeah, Jay, you... Uh, just those photos right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're looking at actual mascot. Yeah, oh, yeah. we're not talking like no, drawings. You're talking mascot suit. Well, see there. It, see, look, he's on the little mountaintop. Like he's about to pounce. Yeah. Look at he's all muscular and stuff. Yeah. That's not Penn State. You're talking about BYU. No, I'm going to. This is Penn State. Look at this. Look That's at, Penn State. No, look at this guy. Look at that. Hey, he's well groomed. <laughs> I mean, does he have a bow tie underneath that? No, he's well groomed. I think they would refer to that as metrosexual. <laughs> Now let me look at the BYU Cougars. The Nittany Lions. <laughs> Hold on. Metrosexual. <laughs> That's not going to go. We will have to talk, about Jay. talk to Jay about that one. Now see, look at the BYU ones online, too. Like, Let's see. Look, he's all lounging. Although, yeah, he's looking ferocious here. In, in, but that one looks looking a little comical in other times. He's in a motorcycle in this photo. <laughs> he's got so, bigger but see, teeth. Look at, but see, look at that one. That one looks, he looks, his teeth are showing, he's growling. Whoa. That's not a mascot. <laughs> that was from the Powderpuff game, Jeremy. Yeah, this, yeah. Oh, man, I, I, yeah. Okay, the BYU Cougar looks a little bit more ferocious online. I think, I think the BYU Cougar advances. Okay. So we have BYU, the Cougars, and the Ramblers. So the Ramblers, it's a Wolfman versus uh, a Cougar. But aren't basically a Cougar and a Mountain Lion basically the same thing? Basically, yes. It is Cougar, Mountain Lion, Panther. Panther. Panthers are cool. Yeah, when they're black, they're really cool. All right, so what do we have now? We're at the Cougar. And the Rambler. And the Rambler, which is either... Give him an 8-bit wolf, I guess. A wolf or a, mount, or a Cougar. I think the Cougar's bigger. Cougar's bigger. How many wolves are there? Like, is it in a pack? Yeah. Because you could say Cougars, but they don't travel in a pack. No. Where you can say ramblers, they actually wolves actually do travel in a pack. There's going to be more than one of them. Ant eaters, pretty sure they're solitary. Doesn't matter. You could have 25 ant eaters and one wolf, and the ant eater stands no chance. It's not like dolphins. They're not poking the shark to death with their bottle nose. For some reason, in the BYU looking up their mascots on Google Images, there's a photo of a guy sitting next to a Great Dane. I just found it comical. I don't know why the Great Dane is huge, but I don't know why it's in these photos. That's strange. I'm not um, sure how it applies here. Because it was funny. I was just looking at it. Uh, Let me look up the Ramblers. Hold I on. No, I we think, gotta we gotta look up the Ramblers I right quick. I think a cougar is gonna take down a wolf. I think so. I'll look at images. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I, I may have to go with the cougar shit because if you put in Ramblers. <laughs> 
Yeah, pull up images. <laughs> it's a bunch of these folks on a nature hike with the big floppy hats. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah, that's. I think that's the deciding factor. Sorry, Shane Davis. Ramblers don't take it. Uh, gonna have to pick the BYU Cougars. On and this the is just the mascot challenge. challenge this is the way. mascot challenge. Yep. Is, we're not talking volleyball. No, we're not being real here. All right, mascot <laughs> challenge. BYU Cougars are victorious. Congratulations, Chris McGowan, on your victory. We'll send you guys something. And we're really sorry about the slaughter of all these people in backpacks there in the final round. <laughs> the Ramblers. Oh my gosh, there's there's people in in uh, segways and stuff here rambling about the countryside. There's not a single picture of a wolf. Look, there's a lamb. All right, it's over. Jay's going to call in and be pretty upset with us. Yeah, let's take a short break. We'll be right, right, right back with Jay and Mike. We'll have College Volleyball Weekly. We'll get more into the real predictions of what we think will happen Not the here mascot with the predictions? Final Four. Yeah, the mascot predictions. I, I tell you what, I, they need a field of eight just for the mascots because it's a lot more fun doing the mascots when there are more of them. That's why I enjoy the women's tournament format so much. And uh, Matt Gardhoff, you're welcome for the metrosexual mascot. That will be on the collage. You're welcome. <laughs> Put a bow tie on that thing, man. <laughs> the Paul Simon from Illinois bow tie. What is that? New Daft Punk. Enjoy. Like the legend of the phoenix All ends with beginning What keeps the planet spinning Ah, the force in the beginning
It's a groovy tune, DJ Roche. Yep. I like that Daft Punk. Welcome back into the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Remember, you can download our podcast via iTunes, Blog Talk Radio feed, the Net Live. Just go ahead and search in iTunes, and you will get it for free. You can take it with you whenever you want, wherever you want. Got to change the picture on there, though. You think? Dan Med's still in there. One of these days, we'll get photos taken. It's only been on the show for like three years now. I'll just put the logo back up there. It's all right. Three years. I know. I think it's been. You're awesome. I know. You don't need that to confirm that you're awesome, Jeremy. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I'm well aware. <laughs> All right, Jeremy Roche will be at the Net Live, or pardon me, at the Final Four this weekend representing the Net Live. So Signing autographs. <laughs> stop by, stop by and say hi. He'll probably be rocking a sweet Net Live T-shirt. Give me a hug. I really like that when strangers come up to me and hug me. <laughs> don't touch Jeremy. <laughs> Especially my hair. Don't touch my hair. That's right. Don't get anywhere near it. Don't even breathe on it. <laughs> Especially if you're congested like me. All right, let's bring in our. Our regular correspondents for their next to last appearance in this capacity, although we know they will both be on air again in the future with the Net Live. Jay Hasek and Mike Sondheimer have carried us through the men's volleyball season as part of College Volleyball Weekly, the ABCA sponsored segment here on the program. And we're getting near the end. Just four teams remain. Let's bring them in. Gentlemen, I want to start out with this at large bid. And the argument between UCI and Long Beach State, did the selection committee get it right? Mike Sonheimer. 110% correct. UC Irvine 3-1 and against Long Beach State. UC Irvine 2-1 and against um, UCLA. And they are the best team that belongs in the finals. They lost only 22-20 in the fifth to Long Beach. They would have been 4-0. And if Long Beach had put up a better fight against BYU, maybe there would have been more of a case. But losing 3-0 in the finals didn't really strengthen their case. Jay, any thoughts? Uh, no, I actually have to agree with Sandy on that one. I know that's a shocker. Um, oh, wow. I think going, I think going three or oh three in the final of the of the MPSF is probably probably the nail in the coffin. They had they gone four, maybe a little bit bigger question mark. If they'd gone five, I think they may have gotten it. All right, so Long Beach State gets left out for this year, but BYU is in. BYU, the consensus number one. Jay, what do you guys? I mean, we asked Pav this just a second ago, but what? Really, what do you guys have to do to slow down BYU? Well, I don't think it's necessarily to slow down BYU. They got to do some things to slow us down too. So, nice. I think I think both teams, <laughs> both teams are going to come out. They both got good servers. You got to you got to control the ball. The passers are going to be key to success. I think for both programs. I don't think necessarily there's any one thing we have to do more than the other, other than just take care of our side of the net. Mike, how about the travel requirements here and the practice and that situation for Penn State? We had Mark Pavlik talk about it just briefly. How well set up and how how much of an advantage is it for BYU to be a little bit closer? Obviously, both teams out of their home arenas. I think BYU's biggest advantage is they're a better team. I mean, getting here isn't going to be a big deal. Penn State's been come to the West many times. They were in the West a month ago, and I think the Jay's right. I mean, unless Penn State can pass a lot better than they normally pass and serve a lot better than they normally serve, then BYU is going to win. But if they can do both those things, they have a chance. And the same with Loyola Chicago. They've got to serve brilliantly against UC Irvine and pass the ball when Irvine's got really good servers. And then the Midwest and the East have a chance, even though statistically they have no chance, according to everything I've worked out so far. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. 
Wow, no chance, huh, Sandy? Well, according to the numbers I've worked out this morning, Penn State has never ever made a uh, never ever won a title unless they've beaten they've never beaten the West twice. They had to get by a Midwest team to get to the finals to win the two titles that they won. And since BYU won in 1999, no team making the NCAA semis has ever won the championship, which takes out Loyola Chicago. So statistically, that puts it Irvine against BYU. Unless you know something, I don't. No, you are you are the almanac, so you have all the number crunches. The only thing I do know is that you cannot predict the future. That's true. And so hopefully and then there's always a chance. My wife always tells me that, you know, when you say never something can possibly happen, so there's no chance never that Penn State or Lyola Chicago can win this tournament, but something could happen. I will make the prediction though, if you ever do lie to your wife or cross your wife that you will be sleeping on a couch. Yes. <laughs> Definitely the case. I mean, I mean, hopefully, like I say, it's been it's been a year of parity, and congratulations, Loyola Chicago. Great job to come back. I mean, they were down two sets to one, ten six in the fourth to come back and get there for the first time to be the twenty third team to ever make the NCAA's, and they're hosting it next year. So it's a great stepping stone for them to host it next year. And they've got five Californians on the roster, which coming back home means they'll have some fans. And then for Penn State, I mean, there's nothing like experience. BYU hasn't been here. Their players haven't been here. That's Penn State's, you know, big advantage is that Penn State really has players that have been there and have been through all this and they understand the travel they understand what the NCAAs are about and Pav's been here more than anybody and if they can do that I think Penn State can maybe shake up BYU a little bit but the other problem is is that um, the other thing Irvine all three Irvine titles came when they beat Penn State in the semis so not playing Penn State in the semis and two of three three BYU titles came when they played Penn State in the semis so that's something also against Penn State hmm. I just want to let you guys keep going yeah no doubt <laughs> So I mean, Jay hasn't told me anything why Penn State's going to win yet, or anything you know no. statistically. Listen, Except we did we did say at the start of the year that Penn State was a lock to be here, and obviously the way they crushed the six the six sets in the at Penn State, they were the best team. I, I first of all, yeah, I would I, I appreciate the sentiment. We we played very well this week. And, it was exciting uh, and, to see you play so well. And hat, and hats off to Princeton and Harvard. They both did nice things this year, and by no means was it easy. I, I tell you what, I think I think everybody knows this. The biggest, the, the hardest match to win is the one that everybody expects you to win. And right now, I think in everybody's eyes, BYU is the team, and you know that's that's some pressure. And we'll, you know, we're going to come in and we're going to do our best like we do every year, and and uh, you know we'll, we'll let the chips fall where they may. And again, I mean, Penn State's got a good enough team that, I mean, UCLA almost took BYU. UCLA was up two sets to none and then six, seven, one in the fourth set. And Penn State and UCLA have a lot of similarities in terms of how they play and what they do. And neither team is great, but if they play well on a given night, they can beat anybody. Well, and let's talk about the Hawaii BYU match in the, in the quarterfinals. I mean, that's that's a match yes. that, you know, everybody in the country thought was they were going to walk all over Hawaii. And... Hawaii came in and they had nothing to lose and everything to gain and they played loose and they served well and you know BYU you know with the exception of that last call we could have been going anyway and we'd be talking to Charlie Wade right now. What do we think of the last call since we, were, we didn't have a show last week to talk about it? That's right. We should talk about that. How, yeah. how do you feel? How do you end a match on that kind of a call? <laughs> I think that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question that everybody has: is, is how does that rep make that call at that time when it was close enough? That it was a judgment call. I mean, that's, exactly. that's one of those things where you know, if you're if 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 you're a fan of Hawaii or or of a team outside of BYU, you're looking at it going, how did that happen? If you're a BYU fan, you got to be breathing a little bit easier at that moment. Cause, uh, it's a well-known fact that the that, that the uh, the swaying of the uh, the persuasion of the of the judges up there are a little bit in favor of BYU, and that's just always that's good. Yeah, I thought uh, Charlie Wade handled it really classy. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If a little bit goes on to describe it quite enough, in my experience years ago. Hey, Kevin, if you were out there playing, you would have never gotten off the court if that happened. And you were selling. Oh no, I I understand. I'm familiar because I've seen several balls hit uh, three feet out that were called in, and <laughs> I don't know if there's videotape anymore. Maybe they have it back on the old <laughs> film from when I used to play. But thirty-five millimeter. That's yeah, in college, there's definitely perhaps no record of it. But in talking to anyone who's played there, including Al Skates, who got into trouble for uh, for actually protesting a certain referee up there at BYU. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an issue. It's always been an issue. Yeah, and I, and I, you know, suffice to say that uh, you know you, you look at you look at that match, and kudos to Hawaii for. You know, everybody at the beginning of the year wondering what's going to happen with them. And over the course of the season, they had some nice wins. And, you know, they they pulled it out in the end. They had their own destiny in their hands. They need a little bit of help. But, you know what, that was that was a heck of a match played by them. And, and uh, you know, you only hope better things for them in the future. they got some nice kids coming in next year and some kids returning. And, uh, you know, in Hawaii could be a completely different program next year. So I would have liked to have seen them take that one out. That would have been fun. But, you know, it is what it is, and, and we move forward. I yeah, I mean, we have a great Final Four, though, and we've got, you know, Nice, a nice real opportunity to see if Irvine can be the first time since UCLA repeated in 95 and 96 to see if a team can repeat. There's been that much balance in volleyball. It's gone 17 years without a repeat champion. And UC Irvine, it'd be interesting to see how healthy they are, too, because they had a little couple of nagging injuries with Kevin Tilley, and we'll see if he he's definitely a game-breaker if he's on. Yeah, absolutely. I love is, that, uh... that right there. 17 years with no repeat champs. That's a good one right there. And, and Sandy, all your chatter about uh, Penn State having no shot, I think of Herm Edwards. That's why you play the game. Uh, and, and, Jay, I wanted to ask you this question about whether it's your team or Loyola, uh, or on the other side, UCI and BYU. There's a certain issue with playing a team you're not familiar with and you know very little about. How do you prep your players to play a team that they, they know very little about? You know, that hopefully you have some film, but let's just say you have none. And, and I'll give an example of what we do in the beginning of the year. When we go out to the outrigger, we basically have no film on the first match of, or first opponent we faced out there. And really, the scouting report consists of, hey, let's go out, let's let's play volleyball the, the way that we know how, let's serve and pass well, and we'll run our offense, and if the match wears on, we'll start to recognize some tendencies. And really, the reality is, is it's it's how well your players read the game at their level. You know, if you if you go out there and you've got a team full of freshmen and they're they're kind of pie-eyed, it, it's going to be over pretty quickly. But you know, the experienced players they go out there, they know how to play, they know what to look for, and you know, I, I, I think the reality is again, it, it comes down to you know, there are teams that everybody think are the ones that should win, and that's that's a precious situation that some kids can handle and some kids can't. Yeah, yeah, the thing is, BYU is not that good. I mean, there's nobody that's that good this year that you that coming in. In other words, all four teams have a chance, and any of the four teams, you think the West may have a better opportunity that's in the West, but at the same time, there is no clear-cut favorite. I think the other question to ask Jay is, you beat Loyola of Chicago during the regular season where you're disappointed being the fourth seed and playing somebody new, or would you rather be in the third seed and get crushed by UC Irvine? Uh, you know what? That's a good question. Uh, I I don't feel that we got jumped. I I think hey, the the committee came up with the rankings the way they did. I actually would like to see BYU in the first round, only because you, you get past that if you if you do, and you got some confidence going into the finals. And so, you know, for us, it's it's one of those things where we can look at it and nitpick it and go, oh, well, we'd like to do this or get another chance at UCI. And the reality is, we're one of the last four teams playing, and we're okay with where we are. And, we're going to go in and give it a go, and you know we'll let the best team win, and we'll move forward. 
Yeah, record 15 straight times, Penn State, in to the NCAA semis. And we're supposed to be penalized $100 every time you say Final Four. <laughs> Is it really $100? It's uh, NCAA's trademarked it, so they can go to court and take you into court every time you say it. Well, you know what? Um, i got a solution for that. Put six or eight teams in there. We'll call it the final eight. <laughs> uh, I like it. You know what? If somebody's smart, somebody will go out and they will pat- they will patent that right now. Come up with a catchy name or take the final six or elite eight, whatever you want to do, and, and make some money. Already it's done. Happen, right? It's supposed I was to happen on legal in a couple too. years. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's, like I say, it's going to be fun. Poly Pavilion with the redone is a great venue to play the finals in. It's a traditional place, and I think they'll draw really well. You know, for all four teams to be out there, and I think it's going to—I think it's going to be a fun event. And regardless who makes the finals, I think the finals is going to be can go either way. I agree, and, and you know what? It's, it's going to be exciting to see everybody back home. It's going to be exciting to see the new Pauley Pavilion. And uh, you know, what? I, I like the fact that there's another team that's getting a shot this year that's new. I, I, congratulations to Shane Davis and the Loyola guys. You guys worked hard all year long, and you know, Nip's coming back in in his first year, and, and, and Chris McGowan within his two years at BYU is getting in there. It's an exciting time. And, and I uh, have and, one. And coaches will card. And I have one for all the listeners out there and for the peop- for everybody else. Okay, I'm working on this. Chris McGowan has a chance to win and be the son of Carl McGowan who won in 99. Is there any other father-son NCAA Division One that have ever won titles in the same sport in coaching? Do you know the answer, or are we searching this? I don't know the answer. I'm, in, I'm in researching the answer, and I haven't found it yet. I've got father-sons, you know, like playing and winning a national championship. But I can't find coaching father-sons in the same sport, you know, winning a national championship division one. So I'm asking wow. everybody out there if they can post it on, you know, one of the sites or let us know. I've, I've got to call into the NCAA, and we'll see if someone can find it. All right, Mike Sondheimer, uh, lay out for the volleyball fans the, I can't say Final Four schedule, the semifinals and finals for the men's volleyball tournament <laughs> schedule. Well, because because of major television on the NCAA.com, Penn State and BYU are going to play at 11 o'clock in the East and see how many people can watch it, which is 8 o'clock West Coast time. And then we have UC Irvine playing Loyola Chicago in the 6 o'clock West Coast match, 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the Midwest time for people to watch. And the finals are 6 o'clock on Saturday on ESPNU. Six, can you say all that again, Sandy? I think I missed the first part. <laughs> when, when, what time are you guys playing? We're playing the second match on Thursday, whatever right, time second that match, is. Right now it's listed at 6 and 8 West Coast time. So figuring, right. you know, for the people back in Penn State, that's going to be a little bit late for their match to come on come on the NCAA.com. But that's the way it is. That's a, you know, Penn State and BYU, two major things. We've got a lot of blue and white that will be out there. So we're trying to contrast the colors. We thought a later match would make people more in, into seeing those two colors at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and the championship match happens 6 p.m. What time is that, 6 p.m. Pacific? 6 p.m. California time, yes. West Coast, 9 o'clock in the east, 8 o'clock in the central, and with um, UC Irvine playing BYU and UC Irvine winning the title again. And when is that, Sunday? Saturday. Saturday. Thursday and Saturday. Thursday Saturday. Mm. All right, good for, me to, good for me to know that. Now let's get to the all-important questions here. What's on the menu for Wednesday at the dinner? <laughs> Um, as far as I know, it's a full-out buffet in the brand-new Pavilion Club, which is a super-nice location. Uh, it was all under dirt, been built in Poly Pavilion seats about 300. And they also have the AVCA All-Americans, and they may announce Player of the Year. I mean, I'm leaning towards uh, Taylor Sanders for Player of the Year. J.U.? Um, you know, I, it's be- I think for me it's between him and Taylor Crabb, and just because yeah. I don't like you, I'm going to say Taylor Crabb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sandy. I love you, but I'm still going to say Taylor Crabb. Taylor Crabb had an amazing year. He did have he had a great year for them. And I, I'll tell you what, if you 
if you take away either one of those players from their teams, they are they are mediocre, and uh, both of them have had great years. So kudos to both of them. Are we uh, are we having a speaker sign to get that? Do we know who? Karch Karai is supposed to be there, and we got Kevin Barnett. We 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 out the big money for Kevin Barnett to come and be the MC. Wow, wow, Barney, how are you uh, how are you going to let somebody of that stature follow you? I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll be good. It's I, I get hopefully not get into a fight with Karch. Well, the thing is, is Kevin, Kevin controls. The, yeah, Kevin controls the media though, and on the Olympic stage. So if Karch gets out of line, Kevin will get back to him in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm, I'm curious who this Karch guy is. I don't think I've ever heard of him. So that should be. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's, exactly. a, he's a women's coach. We'll see what he knows about men's volleyball. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh. Hey, last important question, Jay. Are you going to be here on Monday? Can you sit in the studio or what? I am absolutely going to be there on Monday. I'm I'm staying a little longer. I'm going to be down in Orange County with the family, playing uh, a little beach ball, soaking in a little sun, and I will be in studio Monday morning. I'm looking forward to it. Right on. That'll be good. We'll yep. do our we'll do our last ABCA College Volleyball Weekly for a while. We'll wrap up the season. And well, you, should, you, should get Sandy, you should get Sandy in studio and we'll arm wrestle. Yeah. Uh, I based based on the inter- internet play, I'm killing you right now, so I don't have to worry about on wrestling. <laughs> Popular opinion has me way ahead, so that's all I need. If, if, if you if you believe those guys, you know, then you're in trouble. <laughs> I'm friends with the UC Irvine people. I'm going with them. <laughs> awesome. All right, so all right, pick a winner. You already picked your winner. Here we have yes. BYU and UCI in the final. Sondheimer, who's winning it? As Mr. Tilly's healthy, I got UC Irvine and upset over BYU. All right, Jay, pick me a winner. All right. Uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go with UC Irvine over Loyola, but it's going to go five. Um, I think I think Loyola's got some really good things going on there, and that fifth game could go either way. But I'm going to say experience here is going to win that out. I'm going to say uh, Irvine and five. I'm picking us. Of course, I'm going to pick us. I like nice. what we do, and I, and I think uh, I think you know you you put us against anybody, especially the way we played last week, and and I like our chances anywhere. So I'm going to put us against BYU, and we're going to beat BYU in four. And then uh, in the finals, it'll be us and Irvine, and it's going to be a toss-up. But I'm going to say the winner is going to win three games by two points each one. That's going to be my call. Three deuce sets is the call from Jay. I like it. Irvine is the call. You have to root for your team. I like it, too. Love it. It's it's possible. We'll see. Gentlemen, thank you for your contributions all year. We will see you uh, again next week. We'll actually have uh, Jay in here in person. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Jay in person, hopefully Wednesday. All right. Sounds good. Hey, Jay, Mike, thanks very much. Have a good week. You got it, guys. Thank you. All right. See you both on Wednesday. Thanks to Jay Hosick and Mike Sondheimer for their contributions there to the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly. That's been an informative and entertaining segment this entire year. Uh, I think we're going to have to pick our winners here, Jeremy. Yeah. UCI and Loyola. I called Illinois a wasteland, but those that know, I'm just kidding. Illinois is my homeland. Aren't you from? (laughs) It's my homeland. I would love to pick my homeland to defeat UC Irvine, but I just don't think I can do it. I think they're going to have an advantage because nobody really knows about them. Yeah, nobody knows them. And by nobody, I mean neither do I, so I don't know how good they are. But they're obviously good enough to be... Smaltzer's good. In the semis. Yeah, Smaltzer's quite good. If he goes off, I mean, it's not like they don't have a chance. Their first time being... In this, though, like, will the kids be nervous, or will they be one of those where, like, they don't know any different, or just go out there and play? Could fall either way. Usually it's the, the first, not the latter. But they're also playing a Southern California team who will have fans there. 
Yeah, UCI just traveling up the way to UCLA. But it is a it is a Thursday, so at six o'clock. I think they're at their early game because Jay said he's the eight o'clock game or the second match, whatever time right. it starts. Um, eight p.m. West Coast. Will their fans travel? Is the question on a Thursday up to four o five, which is a nightmare. <laughs> to Westwood, I live like ten miles away from Westwood, and it could take me over an hour to get there. The Illinois fans would travel if they were just forty five minutes away. I'll tell you that right now. So the Chicago traffic, which is formidable as well. Correct. Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick UCI. And I'm going to pick BYU over Penn State. It's a tough one, though. I'm going to pick them both. And then uh, I'm going to say that, that BYU does it. I'll take BYU. Interesting. Can I get a real health update on Tilly? Because if he's yeah, that's a question. banged up, I'm not sure. Well, and I asked him that question. I asked uh, head coach David Niffin that question. Well, what's you he gotta say he's on. Yeah, no, you gotta my, say, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, enough. Or do you sandbag and he's 100 percent? He's just out there lighting it up. Right, right. I'm gonna call the upset. Why not? All right. So here, let me write down. Uh, Jr. Give me your pick. Upset. The hobos. The hobos take it. All right, over UCI and the hobos versus. Oh, man. I don't know because BYU's been up there all year, but Penn State in the beginning of the year, we said. Oh, man. I don't know. I just don't know. It could go either way. So I'm going to pick Penn State. And then I'm going to pick Penn State to win it all. I like it. So you pick both Eastern teams. Yeah. But now if I could fill out a number two bracket like I do with <laughs> when, I do, bets. when I do the NCAA brackets. All right. Hedge your bets. So we have two Penn States. We have one UCI and one BYU. Well, that's good. Yeah. Somebody will be right. Somebody will be dead wrong. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. We still have more topics to cover here. Cool. Anybody else I can offend today? NFL draft, Tim Tebow cut. Huh. John Spraw going to be embarking here on the national team with his uh, UCLA Bruins all finished. Will we see him this weekend? And by we, I mean me, because you won't be around. Uh, yeah, he'll be around. He'll be watching these players 100%. He's got to come to the Final Four and watch. But I want to talk a little bit about John Spraw in the beginning of the John Spraw era okay. with the men's national team. But don't forget, there's also collegiate sand happening. Second uh, ABCA Collegiate Sand Tournament. Beach. Beach Tournament happening uh, down at uh, Alabama Gulf Shores. Uh, Pretty unique event last year. Should be another uh, great event this year. So that event as well happening in the women's world. We cannot forget about that. We'll have a little chatter about that when we get back here on The Night Live.
Magazine. I want to make sure we thank Chris McGowan, David Niffin, Mark Pavlik, and Shane Davis for coming on the show. All four, four for men's four. final four coaches who will be playing this weekend. The last four teams left for 2013 in contention for the NCAA National Championship. Also, Jay Hussick and Mike Sondheimer for their continued analysis of the men's game. Looking at the ABCA Collegiate Sand Championships, this is also happening this upcoming weekend. They're going to be happening on Gulf Shores. Great place, and the ABC doing a nice job promoting this championship. Number one ranked Pepperdine Waves will await the winner of USC versus North Florida. And then the number two ranked Long Beach State 49ers will await the winner of Florida State and Louisiana Monroe. So there are your six teams participating. Pepperdine defending champion there defeated Long Beach last year. So on Friday, You'll have a series of matches, and then on Saturday, we'll have semifinal one and two, plus the championship match occurring at 3.30 p.m. And I'm uh, looking for times here. Uh, 3.30 p.m., I'm going to assume that there's local time there, uh, East Coast time. That will that will air later on the CBS Sports Network. That will air Tuesday, May 21st, and May 28th as well. So if you want to check out Collegiate Sands, see if Pepperdine can repeat. It should be interesting. They're doing so without Summer uh, Ross. Summer? I wasn't listening to where you were saying. Yeah, I was detailing stuff you're not interested in. Like Beach, dude. (laughs) Sorry, I had totally just tuned you out. The John Spraw era is starting now. John Spraw done with UCLA, at least for the moment. Obviously not finished. He has both jobs, but... His thoughts undoubtedly have to turn to the men's international game. We still have not seen an announcement that I'm aware of as to another assistant coach. It'll be he and Matt Furbringer for the moment. For a biscuit. And John Sprawl will start to try and put together this new team. And I think it's going to be a new team. You're going to see a lot of young players out there in World League this year. I think it's going to be entertaining to see who can really raise the level of their game and perhaps unseat some of these veterans and who of these veterans read pretty Rich Lamborn, Clay. Clay Stanley, some of these guys who are going to get moved out. Donald Sujo, who will hang around and who will get moved out? Is the settings setter still going to be the biggest question? I think there's a lot of questions. Okay. I don't know that that's the biggest question anymore. Uh, I think it was the biggest question for a while last year and the year before, but I, I think there are there are a lot of questions. What do you do with the other outside hitter spot? Matt Anderson owns one of them. What do you do with the other side? Do you put in Reed Pretty, who's been playing well, passing bills, in addition to passing balls there in Turkey? <laughs> passing bills. Do you put him in and continue to play Reed Pretty? A lot of a lot of reps. Uh, do you give an opportunity to a younger player? Does uh, Paul Lottman have a breakout year? Paul Lottman, 2012 Olympian, last man selected there. 
He's supposedly having a good season overseas in Poland where he's playing. Will he step up and establish himself as a threat at that outside hitter position? Do you take Sean Rooney back? Do you bring Sean Rooney back in the gym or is Sean Rooney on the twilight of his career there with the men's national team? What do you do with the opposite spot? Clay Stanley. Do you how much do you play him? How much do you try and develop the younger talent behind him, whether it's a Carson Clark or a uh Murphy Troy? How much do you bring those guys along? Setting spot. Do you bring Don Sujo back right away? Do you work with a young guy like Mike Christensen who will be in college for the next couple of years? Matt West who will be in college for the next couple of years. Do we see the return of some of the other setters who have been there in the gym? I'm trying to think of uh, Pepperdine. Pepperdine's setter. Near school. You should know this. Yeah, I should know this. I can see his face. Jonathan Winder. There we go. Do we see Winder step back up and become a factor at the setting spot? Does uh, Ammerman come back and become a factor? Who knows? My gut tells me that obviously Reed and Claire are going to be in the gym and they're not going to be worked hard. You're going to have to unseat them, though. So I think the younger guys will get a lot of reps, especially the first year or two just to see who can step in. Um, but I think you're going to have to beat Reed out. It's not just going to be like, oh, we're going to go younger and you're gone. It's you're going to have to beat him out because he's proven. Same with Clay. And like you said, Clay may not be the best practice player, but when he gets on that main stage, he always delivers. And until he stops delivering, you have to keep going with him. What do you do with the Shoji's? Kavika Shoji, setter. Does he get in the mix? What about libero position? And Rich Lamborn, do you bring across a couple of guys there? Well, I, th- I think the same. I think go well, especially the Brian Thornton part. I think you do the same thing. Like Rich has Rich done anything to prove that he's not worthy? Absolutely not. Yeah. So I think it's his job to lose. But I think you also need to bring these young guys in to push the older guys because it's a new coach. I would assume somewhat of a new system or a hybrid system of stuff they've done before. And you know, you can bring the new guys in to be like, look, yeah, we need to get younger. Which, you know, will Reed respond to that and be like, okay, I'm going to be better than these young guys, so you can't unseat me yet. Or do the young guys go, look, old guy, Reed, who's not older than I am, um, you have to go. Well, and John Sproul is just going to have to make a decision, I think. I think it's not going to be left up to the player, but perhaps it's John Sproul. Do you want to go younger right now with the possibility of bringing a Reed back and him having a good summer off? Not participating with the national team, but training, being ready to play professionally again next season, which he will do. Like putting him in the gym or be like, you don't need to be around? You don't need to be around. Wouldn't you want him around, though, to talk to the younger guys? Maybe not. Because he could be sabotaging them, so I don't take my job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because of sabotage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally, yeah. No, take one more step outside. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Just approach uh, parallel with the net. That's what you want to do. Start out in the crowd. No, no, no not just, not a sabotage issue, but an issue of confidence and opportunity for the younger guys. Uh, and, I, and I think important to point out, as I pointed out when Karch Cry got the job with the women, mm-hmm. we don't know what kind of a head coach Karch Cry is going to be. Correct. Never been a head coach. Correct. Only what he has four years' experience in the international game as a coach. John Spross, similarly, we don't know what kind of national team head coach he's going to be. Now, there's a bit more of a track record there with Irvine, with UCLA, Correct. with his assisting uh, the national team as well. But he's never been the head coach Correct. 
of the national team. He's never had to deal with his assistants at the national team level. For Matt being, being an assistant. Zero experience as a coach yep. at that level, right? Yep. Coach juniors. Correct. But he's been in the beach game. Beach game, but also played indoor, so he's got all that respect. Right. Yep. Played indoor a long time ago. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch both staffs. Um, but John Spraw and, and Matt Firminger and whoever else comes on will be a very interesting uh, watch from a standpoint of coaching. I guess, you know, in the future you could look back and be like, oh, this decision was wrong or that decision was wrong. But I think right now, Spraw, I don't think, can make a wrong choice. Like, we're going to go young just to give these guys some more experience. Or we're going to keep Reed and those guys in the gym and make these young guys beat them out the first year, first year or two, to see how it goes. Like, I don't think there's a wrong choice unless you tell Reed, like, Reed, take a year off and gets a little upset about that, you know? Well, even that, I mean, that's just a choice to be made, right? We won't know, like, to your point, we won't know if that's the right choice till further down the road. Correct. Just like we didn't know uh, what the Allen Knipe era would look like until three, four years in. Of course. Gave him a pass for a couple of years. And now you hate each other. I don't hate him. Just kidding. He, won't, he no, won't talk to me. Well, that's that. fine. That's his problem, that's not fine. mine. He's, that, he's allowed not to talk to you. Sure. You don't like my opinion? Okay, that's fine. But yeah, it'll be uh it'll be an interesting watch. Yeah. Well, speaking of Reed, I would love to hear from him at some point. <laughs> Doesn't even listen to the show. <laughs> he does email every once in a while though. Being in Turkey, dominating, setting laws. Passing bills and passing, passing balls. Passing bills, passing balls, yep. You know, I I watched some of the NFL draft this week because I could not avoid it. And this this again was kind of a myopic myopic uh, Myopic focus from mm-hmm. ESPN. That's twice I've gotten stuck today. It's all good. The myop- myopathy on the draft was crazy. Yeah. They canceled every other show they had that day, but the draft didn't start until 6 o'clock Pacific time. Oh, yeah, because we were analyzing it all day long. I don't need to hear Todd McShay for the 55th time. <laughs> and, and certainly, oh, my gosh, it's just it was too much. Was like too I told much. you by email, Kevin, big business. And then you know what happened to him? They got a bunch of offensive linemen drafted in the first round that nobody knew who the heck they were. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody knows who the offensive linemen are. Oh, this guy's a great. He's got great feet movement. Who cares? People want to know about Geno Smith, which leads me into Geno Smith going to the Jets. And finally, Tim Tebow is out of football. Well, for the moment. For the moment. Someone, I think someone's going to sign him for the jersey sales alone. That's why you signed Tim Tebow. Sell jerseys. Because you're going to get him for a pittance now, too. Well, that's why they were saying Jacksonville should have signed him, because he's from that area. They need a quarterback. He's going to sell jerseys and put people in the stands so you don't have to rope off half of your stadium. And your franchise is a mess anyway. It's not like you're sacrificing anything. Because that's part of the deal if you bring him into a successful franchise, the media circus that comes along with him. Well, the Jets got rid of one media circus and added another by drafting another quarterback. Well, yeah, but you'll get rid of Sanchez, too, and then move on. Are you yawning? Yeah, okay. I'm not. I'm not 100 percent today, buddy. Speaking of Reed, B.J. Evans brought it up, and he's probably playing at the moment. I remember him saying something on Twitter earlier today in the finals. Yeah, more important stuff than this. Is show. he winning like the Duck Cup now? Because he won like the Turtle <laughs> and the Rabbit Cups. Like he's playing for the Duck Cup right now. I'm thinking it's more like Mario Kart. It's like Rainbow Road. <laughs> are there like the gold, flower? Are cup? there gold coins he can get like while he plays if he jumps high enough? Are there power up boxes? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Good luck, Reed. Tear it up. He'll be back soon, though, right? Allegedly. Yeah, a couple weeks. He'll probably want us to come down to Huntington and do the oh, show. Come to his show? Come oh, down no. to his show as opposed to you're, our show? You're coming to our show, Reed. You're not even in the intro anymore. Nope. Understand your place, buddy. <laughs> I understand your place. 
Well, the beach is going along. They do have a Shanghai Grand Slam happening this weekend. be interesting to see if the professor makes it out of the qualifier, country quota. Yeah, it's got to be a little tough for him. You know, I mean, I know that it's a – he had to know what he was getting into. Ryan is still a raw prospect. Right. Um, shows glimpses of greatness, of our potential. Shows glimpses of potential. And then other times, like, he just looks lost on the court. But that's going to come with – he just doesn't have enough experience yet. But um, either at either moment, he still looks tall. Yeah, he's always going to be as tall as he is, for sure. Um, and he's got one of the best player coaches – on the beach right now helping him. So as long as Todd can stay patient and look, you know, down the line, we'll see what happens. But playing in, if they're in the qualifier or the country quota, whatever it is, they have to play that, then the qualifier, then the main draw. That's a lot of volleyball. That is a lot of volleyball. Yeah. A lot of tread off the tires there for Todd. Yeah. And by the way, it's not like easy matches. Regardless of where you start, whether you're starting in the country quota qualifier or the main draw, no, we've had those really athletes. not really not very many gimme matches. We've had those eight athletes detail how difficult the FIVB really is. Mm-hmm. It of course, is tough, 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 tough. So we'll see, and I'm I'm actually more interested in seeing the progression of Gibb and Patterson. That will be interesting. I think they're going to have some tournaments where they finish really well, and in other tournaments where they don't, um, and just them learning to play with each other. There's a lot more variables there than there is in, say, the oh. Rosenthal, Dahlhauser. Correct. And I just hope that I, I hope that the fans and Casey and Jake um, have some patience because I think it's going to take a little bit of time. Because Jake and Rosie played together for six seasons. I'd have to confirm that. But they played together for a long time. So switching partners, you know, it's always a new... You know, you had a long off season. I know they were both ready to play. Casey said he added 80 pounds of muscle over the off season. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's going to be different. Traveling, you know, traveling with somebody, it's basically like having a roommate at all times, so you're with your partner basically 24-7. Right. So we'll see how it goes. Both great guys. It's not like they're not going to get along with each other. So we'll see. I'm interested to see how that partnership uh, pans out more. That's the one I'm keeping an eye on. All right. You're I like welcome. it. You're welcome, everybody. I think we're wrapping things here on the cool. show. You can go take a nap. Stop yawning. We will have a show next week. Jay Hosick will be in studio. Of course, the men's Final Four will be complete. We will know the winner. And we'll know if the mascot challenge had any predictive value at all. That was the BYU Cougars defeating the Loyola Ramblers in the semis. Or, pardon me, in the uh, finals. We had the Nittany Lion defeating the BYU Cougar in the semis. And the Anteaters weren't even in it at all. They're an anteater. We'll see if that was predictive at all. Thanks to all four coaches for coming on. Thanks to Jay and Mike. Thanks, Jeremy, for showing up. You're welcome. Setting up. Yep. And thanks to you for listening. We're free on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, the Net Live feed. And thanks to all of our sponsors, the ABCA, Hurley Shirts, VolaClothing.com. Not many left. Somebody got mad at me the other day that their size wasn't available. I said, no, that's what you get for sleeping on it. Should have ordered earlier. Yep. We will get some more stuff in there soon, and also Volleyball Magazine for hosting our show. We'll see you next week with another episode of The Net Live. Be good. Get out there and play some ball this week. I don't like walking around this old and empty house. So hold my hand.
and I walk through my day. Stars creak, I should sleep is keeping me awake. It's the house telling you to close your eyes. Some days I can't even trust myself. It's killing me to see you this way. Cause now the truth may not be this. Shit will carry on. Don't listen to me. 